Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again, former high school football coach Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for stopping in. Good to be here tonight. Uh, we are recording this at Riverside Barbecue uh, in downtown Nashua once again this season. Uh, you can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, sh- we record the show every Tuesday evening. Uh, and it'll be available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. Uh, Coach, uh, just we had a we're discussing a little bit before we started here some um, once again interesting games that had some quite some significance to them yep. um, in terms of standings, uh, despite just being a third of the way into the season. Um, significant games, but also a couple games that. I don't know if I learned anything about some of the teams that played in them. I know exactly what you mean. It's y- y- you, y- the the performances, whether it was offense against a defense or what have you. You came out of there, and in in Division One and Two, I think there's a couple of those questions. We say I, I don't know that we learned anything more about where things should stand. You could argue that's part of the fun, I guess, is you can't definitively say, oh, well, oh, when it comes, it's going to be yeah. the you know. Um, but I, I agree with you. I felt exactly the same way about a couple of these games. Uh, of course, we were both at a game on Friday night. Um, like to maybe start with the one I was at, the Pinkerton-Exeter matchup over in Derry. Yep. Pinkerton, of course, coming away with a 17-7 win over Exeter in a game that really, I mean, was almost all defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, not not a ton of big plays on offense uh, aside from, you know, a handful here and there. Of course, Pinkerton scoring um, on a field goal in the first half twice in the second half one off an interception set him up with a really short field uh on on exeter's opening drive and then on their next possession a uh 69 yard touchdown strike from um, aiden goujon to michael surratt or surratt uh, excuse me um you know and that that kind of you know it was 17 nothing late in the third quarter but the game kind of felt like it was over from there because exeter wasn't doing anything offensively their one touchdown um touchdown run by cam knight came off of or or was aided by a late hit penalty personal foul on Pinkerton um, you know they kind of kept that drive going but outside of that drive Exeter never got I think inside the Pinkerton 30 definitely inside the 20 but wasn't inside the 30 all game yeah I was looking at your take uh, on the on the website on it and, and just looking at some notes and and uh, you know it's interesting I think you had on there that Pinkerton outgained Exeter 269 to 211 and it was a 69 yard Touchdown the, the pass the to yeah, Surratt. Yeah. So if you take the, the the big gainer away, which I mean, obviously that was a key play in the game. Right. But right. Aside from that one big offensive play, that was a very tight defensive battle where neither team was really able to get much over the 200 yard mark if you take yeah. that one play away. So, uh, and ultimately that one play was probably the big momentum. The big moment. The yeah. Game. I mean, well, the 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 one that really did it was the interception on that first drive because you know it's a three nothing game. Um, regardless of what it felt like, Exeter's still in it. They go in and make their adjustments at halftime, and you got to figure they're they're thinking we're going to come out, we're going to put a good drive together, and at worst we're going to pin them deep. Yep. And instead, throws a pick, uh, which was a um, you know fantastic play by I'm forgetting his, the guy's first name, last name Roy. Um, you know, just made a great play, and um, it, you know, all the momentum was on Pinkerton side. They would just went da- right down the field. Um, you know, Gannon fast ended up scoring on a fourth and one, fourth and goal from the one. Um, you know, and it felt at that point that things had really turned. Uh, and you know, when I look at 
looking at Exeter, it's and, and if they're traditionally the run-heavy team that needs to kind of get out and get a lead early because they don't really have, have the players to come. This year, looking at it, they don't have that kind of breakaway guy, right. it seems, that can change a game they're you know, strong in a moment, yeah, and determined. Right. But they may not right. have the the speed and flash yeah. that occasionally they have one or two. You know, maybe it's the quarterback or the fullback. You know, that, that home offense. that home run hitting right, guy, right. yeah. And you know, look at the other side, and and while Pinkerton defensively played, you know, heck of a game. You take away the short drive and the big, uh, big home run play, and they they moved the ball, but you know just couldn't get over the hump and get you know consistently get you know into the red zone and into the end zone yeah. and, and and you know the well i think exeter we know you know they're gonna have to pull off some upsets at this point i mean they got a big one this week with Wyndham coming to town yeah this is almost the must-win game for them because if they go to one and three uh, i mean with winnicott still to go um you know they still have to play londonderry you know, so they're they've got a couple tough games ahead. So they really need to win this week. But you look at Pinkerton; they've got Londonderry and Salem in back-to-back weeks now. Um, I think those two games more will tell us a little bit more. I mean, if Pinkerton really is, you know, the the team to beat in Division One. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it, it all eyes will be on certainly the Mac Platt game. Um, but you reminded me of the Wyndham Exeter game, and that's an interesting one too because Wyndham has has gotten some big runaway wins but i don't know that you would call either of the two wins a quality win at this point i mean i was pretty impressed with the dover win given dover's performance against pinker right the week but before, this goes yeah. back to how you opened yeah. the show which is i'm not really sure what we know about pinkerton given that last game you were kind of thinking hey we'll find something out this week and it was so tight yeah yeah you know we and we know exeter is a good team even if their their record doesn't reflect that now so ah, i don't know I, yeah, I don't know what I was going to I was going to say something. I'm not entirely sure what I was going to say. You no, know, Pinkerton, like I said, they've got Londonderry this week. Um, you know, they've dominated Londonderry yeah. uh, for the last 19 years. Um, haven't lost to them since 2001. Um, or 19 meetings, I believe. You know, so it's it's one of those that, you know, y- you go into Friday expecting them to win because that's been the norm. Um, you know, does that... Is that what does that do for Londonderry? I mean, does it does it do they look? You think they look at this game as, you know, just a measuring stick, or do they go in it, you know, thinking that this is a game that they've got to win or they can win? Oh, I think I think the intensity level for Londonderry is going to be really high on this. I mean, they they had a game of the week type win a couple weeks ago against Salem, um, another strong performance against uh, what appears to be kind of a unfortunately a down Timberlane team this year, but they took care of business, right? So and that's what you always say. If you're a quality team, you're going to take care of business and leave no doubt against a team that might be uh, on a downslide. So they went out, got the 44 to 14 win over Timberlane. Uh, you got to think they're thinking we've got all this momentum. We're going into our big rivalry game and the chance to put Pinkerton in our rearview mirror. Um, again, only week four, but there's got to be a ton of intensity around that. I mean, even forgetting the rivalry, if they weren't rivals, going into a big game against a, another quality opponent, they're, they're thinking they got to keep the momentum going. Well, they win this game, and they put themselves in, in a fantastic position because then they hold a tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreaker with Pinkerton and Salem. They're a game up on both of them in the conference. Um, you know, Granted, they still have to play Wyndham. Granted, they still play Exeter, Winnicott. So... Yep. You know, they they've got some big games, but 
you know, basically uh, they win this and they're basically two games ahead right. of both of those teams because they win the, tie- the head-to-head tiebreaker. So probably a bigger game, I would think, for Londonderry than it is for Pinkerton. Yeah, and if you think about some of the stats that I was looking at from the Londonderry-Timberland game, and you compare it to the Exeter-Pinkerton game that you were just talking about, you know, Londonderry totaled 258 yards against Timberlane, 259 of that on the ground alone. Um, and the Londonderry defense held Dan Hayes uh, and Timberlane in total to 180 yards. So pretty good performance. I mean, again, I know, like we've said, Timberlane appears to be a little down, but they're not without talent. That's, that's, a, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty good uh, offensive line of statistics, though. So right. you got to know that Pinkerton's defense is going to have their hands full. Um, and, and, again, they played really well against Salem, too. So sh- that should be a great game. So the other game uh, you were at last Friday uh, between Manchester Central and Merrimack in Merrimack. Um, I, I don't remember if I, I saw your tweets around the same yeah. time I was getting some, some text messages. Um, it sounded like it was a, a turnover fest for that first quarter. I've never seen a first quarter like in 20-some-odd in years of coaching and now more as a, as a fan in retirement here. I've never seen a first quarter like that. There were, there were six Merrimack turnovers. In the first quarter, uh, I don't think or they were all in the okay, first quarter, okay, but there okay. were six in the first half. I think f- I think four or five of them were in the first quarter. In total, it was four interceptions and two fumbles were lost. Um, and and Central didn't play a very clean game either. You know, um, Alex Hawkham, who's been a, a guy we've been talking up on this show almost every week, uh, and deservedly so, had kind of a rough go. I think he threw a pick, and uh, I know he fumbled at least one possession away. But the interesting thing was Merrimack handed Central five extra possessions, let's just say, in the first half, mm-hmm. and it was 13 nothing at halftime. That's that really – and this is why I say I don't know. Maybe I don't – yeah, I see this game and Central won it, but maybe I don't know, you know, what exactly Central is. Are they – because I would assume that they would have taken advantage of much more of those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't sound like they did. You know, and having – you know, I don't – kind of almost throw that game against Keene out the window because of the lockdown and it gets postponed a couple days and a win's a win in kind of that situation. But then I go back to that BG win in week one, and that was a game that they felt – it felt like they were just going to, you know, roll yeah. in that game. And then in the second half, it kind of got to be a struggle. Yeah. You know, so I'm wondering, is it just – are they not, you know, maybe taking their eye off the – the ball so to speak a little bit yeah. in, in some of these cases just because okay well we keep getting these turnovers we should score and but then they don't right it, it's hard to say you know i and it's always two-sided right the thing that i found was that merrimack's resilience was i think a big part of why central wasn't able to capitalize i mean merrimack's defense was on the field a ton and talk about the resilience of being able to manage that sudden change i mean uh, literally the second drive I think it was a it was a turnover for a turnover, two plays in a row. Um, you know, on first down after getting a turnover, uh, you know, Merrimack I think had an interception off a tipped ball that Hawkham had thrown, and uh, Merrimack comes out and on first and ten on their own, whatever it was, twenty something, right? I don't remember exactly. Dowling throws a pick, and the Merrimack defense is right back on the field again. And you've got guys in that Merrimack front like Adam Thornton and uh, I think it's J.J. Dyer. I mean, they were incredible. They were uh, both defensive linemen. They were incredible. And if you think about the talent on Central's offensive line, they were sometimes coming through unblocked 
uh, wow. both in pass protection and on running plays where they would hand the ball off. I mean, they were coming, they were just defeating the block and getting into the backfield. So it's hard to say, right? I mean, we know that Central is talented, but they may still be kind of finding their identity a little bit. I think it's safe to say that Merrimack, especially defensively, is uh, a much better team than, than we probably thought going into the season. Um, you know, and they've got a big one coming up. This Both teams have big games coming up this week, um, you know, with Central hosting Nashua North, who, you know, has won two in a row now after their o- season opening loss. And then Merrimack goes to Stellos to play Nashua South. Yep. Again, won two in a row after losing the season opener. You know, and, and I look at that, you know, who I, I was trying to think who in those of those four teams probably needs to win the most. And I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It might be central, yeah. you know, because if you look at, you know, if if North goes to two and two, you know, and then the loser that Merrimack South game goes to two and two, they still all have to play each other. You know, North gets to play South and Merrimack, you know. Yeah, there's that. They, there's there's a chance to. Yeah, happens, because of right? the way because of the way the conferences are struck, the playoffs are structured. You know, all you got to do is win your conference and you're and you're in essentially. Yeah. Um, so those teams are are, are still you know, still have the door open. Of course, they're not all probably going to get in. Right. Um, but, you know, Central has North this week, Bedford the following week. You know, they still play South down the road, yeah. still play Concord, Concord down the road. So y- I think this is, a you know, almost a bigger game for them than it is North in a, in a sense. I would agree Although I think, you know, North would certainly like a win. Yeah. You know, I agree with that. I think – you expected to find out more about Central and Merrimack than you did last week, and I think that the turnovers and mistakes kind of marred that, right? It, you know, you could argue that if Merrimack had played a clean first half, they should have won that game. Again, you hand you hand Central right, five yeah. extra yeah. possessions and you, a half, and you your, expect Central to be up. Your defense comes out and makes plays. Yeah, yeah. against yeah. a talented – I mean, you yeah. know, y- y- you still had uh, – Manana with 29 carries, 112 yards. There was a big breakaway run by Cooper uh, Verano at, at the very second play of the second half, 47 yards for a touchdown. So they had their cracks, Merrimack, no doubt, but the amount of change management that they had to deal with there was pretty impressive. They were a resilient group. You know, and, and then you look around the rest of the division and, and kind of, um, you know, one other somewhat close game, that Concord bishop Girton game, Concord winning 23-6. to um, you know, pull, having to pull away in the second half of that one. Um, you know, and both of those teams have interesting games coming up. Concord goes to Goffstown on Saturday. BG hosts Keene. Um, and then both of those teams, Keene and Goffstown, respectively, coming off big losses to Bedford and uh, Nashua South. Yeah. Um, you know, North, you know, pounded Memorial. Um, Seacoast, a uh, couple of... You know, uh, well, Winnicott beat up on Spalding, 35-7. Yeah. But then, you know, Dover goes down to Wyndham. Um, Portsmouth Oyster River loses big to Salem. And, of course, as you men- mentioned, Londonderry beating up, beating up on Timberland. Yeah. So a, a kind of a week to, for some teams to, um, you know, g- maybe get up, get a few uh, reserves in and, and get out of uh, some games pretty quick with a win. Yeah. Yeah, some of those games were interesting, right? The the, the I read uh, the Portsmouth game, the Salem Portsmouth game. Portsmouth was on its third quarterback in three weeks. Uh, <sighs> Jacob Booten, who who performed well, he threw for 144, rushed for 71. He was 10 of 15. Uh, obviously, they didn't they didn't win the game. Salem was 204 on the ground, but uh, but that's going to be interesting when you're a team that's kind of a, a 
a pass first team like Portsmouth has been, you're, and, you're and have to bounce around with that, you know, with a different guy. Yeah. So speaking of getting reserves in, <laughs> they've three quarterbacks in three weeks can't be easy. Uh, you know, of course, th- like we said this week, uh, a handful of big games, um, Pinkerton, Londonderry being the probably the the top one. Um, Merrimack, Nashua South, Nashua North, Central, and then Wyndham, Exeter. Um, you know, which y- if you you've got your pick of games, uh, which one do you think you're going to, or would would you pick to go to as a fan this weekend? Ah, uh, you know, that's easy for me just because of the the f- the. F- I I, I got to say the Mac Black game, right? Because that's a lot of fun, and I grew up uh, when when I was a player. I mean, Londonderry and Pinkerton were like our two big rivals, so seeing them go at it together and and again kind of like what we talked about earlier it's a chance to see what both teams are really made of you know londonderry has quietly proven themselves almost in an understated way you beat salem who is a very good football team um they've taken care of business in a big way against the teams they should beat um and and but i think like you said there's still some questions about pinkerton and i think you'll i th- hopefully we'll learn more after that game so to me that's the game you know, I think uh, first time um, I will be heading out there for a Mac Platt game. I, I'm planning on heading out to, to Londonderry myself Friday. Um, not only the first time I, I, I'll be seeing um, a Pinkerton Londonderry football game, but unless I'm forgetting something, I think it's the first time I'm going to be seeing a game at Londonderry since I was a junior in high school in 1997. Huh. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Was that for the championship game? Um, no, actually, that was a, r- a regular season game. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what what we were, you know, friends and I were thinking to, to just drive out there for the, the regular season game. But yeah. I think that's the only time that I've been to London. I've certainly seen Londonderry over the years, but I guess always on the road. Yeah, it's actually um, a pretty cool place to watch a game. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I always I like to go in there as a player. And I, I haven't been there much as a fan, but it's it's a pretty cool environment. The marching band is obviously the best in one of the best in the country so it, yeah. it's a cool y- you're gonna have a blast it's yeah. a, it'll be a good time uh looking at division two uh probably the the game of the week um certainly out in your old stomping grounds there in amherst yeah um so he getting up what 21 7 at one point on alvern uh before alvern comes back and wins 28 21 yeah again another you know almost so he come back comes up short um yeah. It sounded very familiar, given the St. Thomas game, which, by right. the way, was very yeah. familiar to the St. Thomas game. Of a year ago, yeah. <laughs> Reminiscent yeah. of the... Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the Sauhegan-Alvern game is another example similar to Exeter-Pinkerton, where you went into that thinking, all right, we're going to find out a little bit more, because Sauhegan, Sauhegan had had beaten Conval, but it was kind yeah, of like 13 nothing. Yeah, and, and you were like, wow, I would have expected that, especially given the defensive performance yeah. that you heard about Sauhegan making. I would have expected that. So, okay, so this will be a good one. And then you see they kind of jump ugly on Alvern at the beginning, start taking care of business. Okay, maybe maybe I would have expected that. Um, and then Alvern almost kind of out Sauhegan to Sauhegan. Um, and what I mean by that is I think uh, Coach Bockett's really good about um, – you know, kind of, kind of doing some fun things offensively, yeah. or, or in the in the um, in the special teams game, and then you heard Coach Roth. Well, they they kind of ran a, a flea flicker double pass for a, a big play. I think that was uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who was involved in that, but it was uh, it was ah, I got it right here. It was fourth and nine with under three minutes, and Kyle Gora throws a double pass to Jack Reagan for the go ahead 41 yard score. I mean, that's a big deal. 
there was a fake field goal by Alvern on fourth and six, which kept a, kept a drive alive, which made it 21-14. Um, you know, Trey Johnson had a big game again with two yeah. touchdowns, but yeah. it wasn't enough. And, um, and again, to, to go into the jungle and pull off an upset, a come-from-behind upset on the strength of trickery and tomfoolery is <laughs> a pretty amazing thing um, because that's that's been – so he can strength sometimes is kind of doing those those more fun. And, you know, things. you mentioned you mentioned the the trend there for Sauhegan of almost coming back, but for Alvern now that is three games that they've been down in the second half, and come back. Two of them they won, one of them they almost did last week again against St. Thomas. Yeah. Um. You know, it, although this this week I I don't think they're going to have too many problems going out to Conval, that hasn't scored in in two weeks. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned them giving you know holding Sauhegan to 13. Well, they gave up 42 last week to Hollis Brookline, and it probably should have been, you know, 56. You were at uh, that yeah, it was, yeah, it was at that one. Um, and, and, I mean, they just – they were no match for, for Hollis Brookline. Yeah, I mean, on they, either side. Uh, yeah, on either side of the ball. Yeah. Um, just couldn't move the ball. Um, you know, didn't have the ball inside Hollis's – on the Hollis' side of the field, Yeah. you know, until the, the late in the third quarter. And by then it was running time. Um, Xander Wimmer looks like he is the real deal. I mean, he's got size, he's got speed, he's got the arm. You have um, 19 of 25 for yeah. 222. Yeah. Three passing touchdowns, 57 rushing yards, and, and another a touch touchdown. Yeah. Him yeah. and DeCorn I, you, yeah, the are two kind of neck and neck for that. Top Who's two the premier the, guy. Definitely in the division, I would say. Yep. Uh, um, and he's got a, a ton of, of skill guys around him to go to. Yeah, I mean, he was. I had seven different guys catching a pass. Yeah. for for Hollis, they had almost 500 yards of offense yeah. against yeah. Conval. And you gotta, you gotta kind of feel for Conval because uh, to to no fault or discredit or anything, Paul Landau leaves to go to a really great job, uh, mm. and, and it's just the way the circumstance worked out. And Conval was with about a month before, yeah, right, right even a mean, month before the season. And, and started. you don't fault him for that because yeah. that's what's right for his family. And the timing is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Gotta, and he yeah. made the right move. Um, and, but then Conval has to backfill a head coach, and even though it was somebody on staff, that's always going to put you at a disadvantage, no matter what. I mean, so you get a you get a feel for Conval. This is probably a growing year for for them, but Hollis Brookline. Uh, and to the conversation we just had about Alvern, Hollis Brookline, Alvern, St. Thomas seem to kind of be separating themselves with the quality of the wins that they've gotten and the way that they've gotten it done as maybe the three best. Well, in another the South. another team that we may learn about this week actually, St. Thomas makes its third trip to the uh, uh, Southern New Hampshire area this this week. They go to Milford, yeah, having already gone to Sauhegan and one, to Alvern and one. Um, this week they go to Milford, who picked up a very big win yeah. over Pelham, um, kind of eye-opening. That one they game where we did learn something, right? Because <laughs> we've been saying, yeah. like, geez, yeah. I don't know. You know, what does that mean about Sauhegan? What does that mean about Exeter and Pinkerton? This was definitive. I mean, yeah. that's a that's yeah. a season-defining win for for Milford um, because Pelham. We've been talking up Pelham's defensive performance against some pretty quality opponents. Um, also, the fact that they've been able to throw the ball pretty consistently thus far this year. And you get Milford come out and definitively 35 to 14. I mean, Erda, three weeks, same story. Two <laughs> rushing touchdowns, uh, a passing touchdown to Joe Shepard. Uh, Junior Ugu has been uh, a man in the mm. middle of that offense in terms yeah. of pounding the ball. I, di I didn't expect that. 
um, I've, I've seen Milford live once, and it was at the Jamboree, so you were there too. Yeah. They looked yeah, they look, they looked they good, look good on offense. They looked, they struggled to, to stop Concord, though, yeah. in that game. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, that win against Pelham, is a, that's a big deal for them. That's a huge deal because they get a tough schedule coming up. Right. That started, that started a stretch where they had Pelham, St. Thomas, Sauhegan, and then Kennett over, you know, a four-week stretch with yeah. two, two of those, the first and third of those games on the road and then the other two at, at home. Yeah. Um, you so know, and then they finished the year at Alvern. So, they, you know, they've got a pretty yeah. tough road to go. Um, but, you know, and I think we might have talks, talked about this amongst ourselves. Um, you know, what is interesting about this one, too, is the matchup of St. Thomas's passing game against Milford's pass defense. Yes. Um, just something that they've always seemed to have a little bit more trouble with is, is teams that are very pass-heavy. Yeah. Yeah, Milford played, if you remember, Milford played St. Thomas, a very good Milford team. In fact, a, a Milford team that uh, when I was coaching at Sauhegan, we had beaten them pretty good in the regular season. Uh, got the unfortunate <laughs> draw of them in the first round, and, we, and they were coming into Sauhegan right. to play us. They beat us by a touchdown, I think, in that game. Uh, and it was a good game, but they, they really came out and were fired up for that. But So then they went to St. Thomas for round two and got – Obliterated. It was like yeah. fifty something yeah. to six or something. I mean, it was something where you just oh man. Anyway, your point is that yeah. I, traditionally, it seems like Milford, for whatever reason, has struggled against teams that are a little bit more wide open. Um, and I don't know whether that's because it's harder to simulate that when you're when you're more of a yeah, of yeah. sort of a of a ground and pound bully type team, um, or whether it's it's. Uh, you know, it's schematic. I don't know. You know, I, I just know that, yes, you're right. I think they've – traditionally they've had more trouble. It's harder to line up against Milford and go muscle for muscle than it is to kind of try to dink right. and dunk them and, and, and get a one-on-one -on -one matchup on the outside and make something happen. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's St. Thomas's game. They're very, very good at that. Um, the other big game in D2 last week um, was on the, you know, north side. We, you know, mentioned all the, the southern teams there. Uh, the north side of the division, uh, Bo beating John Stark. Um, you know they were up. I want. I think it was what, like nine seven, late in that game, and then they ended up getting another touchdown to go up to win fifteen seven. Yeah, th I know there was a big field goal involved. Yeah. Um, th there was a there was a really nice article in one of the outlets uh, about Coach Cohen kind of giving his kicker some confidence. You know, saying, "Hey, it's just a kick, right? Go out and." Just go out and kick the ball, you know that the typical thing. Yeah. Right? And that oh was yeah. The go yeah. That ended up being the go-ahead uh, yeah. and, and final score that they would have needed. But uh, you know, my impression of that game was that it was very much a defensive battle, very similar to Exeter Pinkerton. Right. Um, yeah. Bo got a go-ahead field goal with 3:03 left. The defense forces a turnover on downs, and then they iced it with a Matthew Nichols run from 32 yards out in the final two minutes. So it was much tighter than the, even the 15 to 7 score would indicate um you know Stephen Garrett has a big game for Bo 22 carries 125 yards but for the most part that was a battle and and I would have expected it to be yeah and 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 Stark by the way that was Plymouth and Bo in a row right right yeah uh, uh two Plymouth Bo two and finalists from the last couple years yeah yeah they've and they've you know they've played both you know tough yeah um you know, the two games in the north that, that are coming up this weekend that on paper look like they're, you know, um, two of the best games of the week. And, not, you know, they 
not to say they're not, but you know, they the records sometimes are a little can be a little misleading early in the season. Of course, you've got Bo hosting Guilford Belmont, both at two and one. Guilford's two wins though against you know two teams that are winless. Yep. Um, you know, of course, both with their only losses against Plymouth too. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Plymouth at three and zero hosting uh, or hosting around the on the road. They are they are at home uh, against a two and one Kennett team. Yeah. That also has its two wins against some winless teams. Right. So I guess again we'll learn a few few more things this week. Is you know how real is Kennett? How real is Guilford Belmont? Are yeah. they teams that are going to be fighting for playoff spots yeah and i didn't familiarize myself with the with the uh the guilford belmont game but i did see they put 27 points but again i don't know whether that came yeah, later not sure. or whether that was it was really that much of a battle but if you're going to put 27 points on plymouth and, and it's not after plymouth had kind of put the reserves yeah, in yeah. and it, whatever happened there but it, it was a it was kind of a legit in 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 the game 27 that's that's something to think about. I mean, that <laughs> that's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that um, that Plymouth Kennett game will will tell you something. I think yeah. that's pretty interesting. Uh, take a quick look at um, Division Three. Um, you know, it's it's worked out kind of perfectly. Where of the twelve teams, we have what four three and O teams, two two and one, two one and two, and then three O and four teams. Yeah. So it's kind of a you know that's just the way it's kind of breaking down, but. You know, you look at the the scores, and again, they're some of them are getting kind of lopsided. Yeah, um, yeah kind uh, of. Trinity uh, is a great story, but that was kind of a blowout against Epping Newmarket. Yeah, I think the um, the one that was kind of interesting to me was Lebanon had a lead on Monadnock mm-hmm, um, yeah. in the first half of that game. I think it was like thirteen twelve or fourteen thirteen. It's very close. And then the next on. thing I know, I looked at it and it's a thirty five sixteen Monadnock win. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, so you wonder whether Matt Monadnock was sleeping a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and woke they got an interesting one this week, Saturday night at Trinity. Yep. Um, yeah. So I guess we find out how for real Trinity is. Um, of course, they're they're one of those teams starting three and zero. A couple of uh, you know one-sided wins there. Yeah. Um, you know another team that's that's you know dominated its first three games. Campbell, um, again rolling past Newport. Uh, they've got a big one. They go up to Laconia this week. Yep. Um, which you know just almost a must-win for Laconia. I would think so. I yeah. mean they're they're in a little bit better shape than than it looked. Uh, you know, <laughs> late late two weeks ago against Kearsarge. But, yeah. Um, and then you know another game you were at. Yeah, I went to the the Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton versus Kearsarge game, which was actually a pretty good game. It, it was a little sloppy, um, but you know we we had talked about, and I had no, I had not seen live, but we had talked about Colby Quiet, and I mean he put on an offensive performance that was really tremendous to see. Right, he had 12 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He had another three receptions for 93 yards and two touchdowns in the air. So. so I can't do great math. That's all their points, pretty much. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, he scored all that, right? And then uh, to to add to that, you had Mike Oberheim stepping in for um, Yanakopoulos at quarterback, mm-hmm. and um, he's a sophomore, and he was seven of twelve, 118, two touchdowns, and he recovered a fumble uh, on on kind of a muff punt that set uh, Hillsborough up. So that was a that was a you know, first of all, that's a you wouldn't think to say this, but it's kind of a it's a really nice field to go to. I mean, it just has a, you know, there's no stands. There's no nothing there. But I don't know. It just has this weird little New England quaint feel to it. But it was an interesting game to watch. And, you know, I think Kearsarge's biggest problem was they just couldn't run the ball against Hillsborough's front. I mean, 
Jack Jala for Kearsarge looks like a promising quarterback, but as I, you could just tell as soon as Hillsborough figured out that there was no running game whatsoever that could just kind of tee off on it. Yeah, 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 and and they did they did uh, Kearsarge broke out a little bit, a couple touchdowns to um, Andrew Oberheim, but it wasn't going to be enough. And and quiet's the real deal. I mean, I watched it, and even he had a big game defensively too. So, any um, I don't know any game that you were looking forward to in that Division Three this this week. Of course, we mentioned Bananoc Trinity and uh, Campbell and Laconia. Um, yeah, I'm not sure those might be the two biggest games of the week. I think everything else is kind of yeah you know, top versus bottom. Yeah, th- no, no, th- those would be the ones I would look at, and be- because I mean, until Monadnock faces Campbell. That might be your next layer of best matchups. Is, is are these two games right, right. against yeah. Trinity yeah. right now? Uh, well, we think Trinity is pretty good, and against um, what was the other matchup? Uh, Laconia and Cam- I mean, Campbell. Yeah, Campbell yeah. Right. So, yeah. but I, I would have to give the nod to to Campbell and and Manadnock on those. I mean, they've just been so dominant so far, and they're they're picking up right where they left off last year. Yeah, Campbell and Manadnock play at Manadnock on the 19th of October. Um, so that's certainly one that um, I'm sure a lot of people in Division Three have circled on their calendars. Yeah. Um, you know, and in then Division Four, um, you know, Newfound puts up another uh, pretty big offensive performance uh, over in a win over Raymond. Um, Bishop Brady gets a narrow win over Muscoma. Yeah, um, big for them. Yeah, they felt good about that. I know that. Yeah, was that that was a long time coming, right? Weren't they? No, they. Um, well, they had gotten beat pretty bad the week before by Newfound, so yeah. I think coming back and and getting a win is probably a pretty big thing for those kids. Yeah. Um, Winnesquam and Franklin both uh, picking up wins, both of them uh, undefeated, um, and I believe we've got a matchup of undefeated teams in the division this week with. Um, I want to say Winnesquam taking on Newfound, so that you know early, um, you know early season matchup that you know will show us a little bit more about what's going on in the division. Um, you know, a team that's been scoring a ton of points taking on a team that you know has given up 19 points yeah. to this point this year. Yeah, right. and I I feel like I jinxed uh, Fall Mountain <laughs> at the beginning of the season because uh, they're they're 0 and 2 and st- still facing some pretty good teams that they're uh, losing with. with identical scores 20 to 12 each week to yeah. Raymond and to Winnesquam kind of kind of odd there yeah I've never seen that before yeah. either um any final thoughts uh before we wrap up this week no I don't think so I think there's going to be some some marquee games this week I mean the Mac Plaque game is big the uh um we didn't talk much about it but I, I think the Concord Goffstown game could be interesting because I, I, I view both of those teams as being very similar. Yeah. Uh, record aside, right, just the makeup of the teams is, is, is similar. And I think the uh, the St. Thomas-Milford game in Division Two is going to be a huge one. I might try to get to that. Yeah. That might be some fun. So. All right. Well, he is Mike Lockman. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. And I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.